As entrepreneurs, we really want to get our message out there. And I have a remarkable guest today who's going to share with us not only how you get the message out, but really his message. See, he's been a best-selling author, 16 books. I mean, I don't know about you, but I am impressed with anyone that's an author and 16 books, you know, best-selling, unbelievable. But he's been not only putting it in writing, he's also delivered it. Over 3,000 presentations all around the world for the last 38 years. He has made a difference. He's been recognized by all his peers, all the speakers, uh, pretty much every award that you could be named for and honored by. And the reason is he deserves it very well. Jim Carthcart is uh, just an amazing individual. And he's going to share with us how you can take your business, your personal life, and accelerate that success well beyond your imagination. Stay tuned. Ordinary success? No way. You want amazing, remarkable, exceptional breakthroughs. Dig deep, think bold, drive hard, watch yourself soar beyond your dreams. AESNation.com. I am so excited to have you here with us today. Uh, you are an amazing individual. I've had the opportunity to read some of your books, uh, certainly watch your videos. A good friend of ours, uh, mutual friend Bill Backrock, introduced us because I hadn't really had the chance to talk with you before. So this is the very first time. And you know, so many of our listeners, our viewers are going to know who you are. But before I go into all the messaging and everything, you know, share with us a little bit of backstory. I mean, you didn't wake up one morning at three and you're going to be the best-selling author and this world-renowned speaker. I mean, how did this all come about? Thank you, John. Well, it's it's a thrill to be on this show with you. Uh, and you're right, Bill is an amazing individual, and I'm glad Bill Backrack introduced us. I, I grew up in Little Rock, Arkansas. I live in California today, but in Little Rock, I was there for 20-something years. And um, my dad was a telephone repairman. Mom was a housewife at home taking care of us kids and my grandfather, who was an invalid, in a hospital bed in the front room. And uh, so I expected an ordinary life, but then years later in my 20s, I was newly married, working after many, many jobs, doing all kinds of things. I was working in a government clerk job at the housing authority, and I heard Earl Nightingale on the radio in a show like your show. And five minutes of that show, he delivered a message that just touched something in me and inspired me to completely change the direction of my life. He said, if you'll spend an extra hour every day studying your chosen field, in five years or less, you could be a national expert. And that's the first time it ever occurred to me I could be somebody who made a difference. And so I started becoming fanatically dedicated to an extra hour or two or three every day to study the field of human development because I wanted to be in the business he and you are in. Yeah. And sure enough, within a few years, I really knew what I was talking about in that field. And others were letting me lead their training programs and, and uh, participate in, in meetings that I wouldn't have ordinarily qualified for. And within five years, I was a full-time trainer. And a few years after that, I bought a psychological research firm over in Arizona and collaborated with a bunch of PhDs on uh, 
some advanced psychology, brought that back down to earth and showed people how they could use it through my book, The Acorn Principle. And now then I've, you know, I've been all over the world. As you mentioned, I've done 3,000 engagements for about 2,000 different clients in every industry imaginable. No, it's, it's an amazing story, but it's, it's really what we see. You know, you know great entrepreneurs, you, you rise to the occasion. We need to be inspired. I want to just start on that point, Jim, because you know, so many entrepreneurs were charging so hard and you know it's our own personal development then also our whole team i mean we've got so much that we can do but we're so charging so hard and and we're you know wondering whether we you know should we take that time you know we got to do all these things and i, I know we don't have a choice we've well, got to take that you know it's it's not so much take that time as should we invest the time that way because when you're an entrepreneur all the time is on the you know you got 24 7 on the table and some entrepreneurs choose to use 23.6 of that for work and, and the other fraction just to take a quick nap. And, and others, you know, take a normal amount of work in the day. But if you've got all that time available, the question is not do I take the time. The, t the question is how do I take the time? How do I invest each day? And I, I've chosen for 40-plus years to start each day thinking. To start each day with a clean sheet of paper, uh, breakfast alone, and sit there and think about my goals and, and start working on ideas to do them better. Instead of starting the day with a stack of work, I start the day with a clear slate and I think about my life, my work, my goals, and then I go to work after that. Yeah, so one hour a day, first thing in the morning, every single day that I can. And it's really made a difference. No, I, I love that. And I, I do something very similar. And I, you know, one of the goals I always have is to be successful on purpose. And yeah. so often as entrepreneurs, particularly as you have more and more success, there's so many opportunities that come to you that, you know, it's just, it's a real problem. I mean, uh, there's just too much going on. And, 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 you know, you know, can we make that happen? Uh, Jim, you know, what about, you know, you've inspired so many people to action, much like uh, what happened with, uh, you know, your first Nightingale uh, conversation yep. with Earl, you know, when he's talking on the radio. Um, as entrepreneurs, we've got this senior team and, you know, we're charging hard, we're frustrated, you know, leadership. Many of us are, you know, kind of the accidental CEOs. We're really good technicians and whatever area that we did. Tom Bacola. Yeah. Dental CEO. Yep. And so help, help me, you know, you've had the privilege of working with so many successful executives. Really you know, what are some of the things that you share with them on the leadership side? Well, let me let me share something that I prepared last week and didn't get a chance to to share all of it at the time. Last week, I spent at High Point University in North Carolina where it was entrepreneurism week. And I, I'm an artist in residence there, so I go there once a year or so, and I do a series of lectures. And I did 11 meetings in two days. And one of those meetings was for the Entrepreneurship Club. And last year, I was the um, uh, chair and host of an audio series, audio magazine that's on app and also on CD. And it's called Voices of Experience. It's for the National Speakers Association, mm -hmm. four or five thousand members worldwide. And um, so every month, I would in interview people like yourself who were successful entrepreneurs. 
and self-made successes, self-made multimillionaires in most cases. And uh, I interviewed over 100 people last year and edited those down and published these monthly magazines. Here's what I noticed, and I want to share this specifically. So out of 100 half-hour interviews with celebrities, survivors, internet marketers, event m promoters, the woman that's the voice of Siri and GPS, uh, mountain climbers, talk show hosts, and investors, what I found was, number one, none of them succeeded by accident. Mm -hmm. Not one single person stumbled into a large level of success. They were, every single one of them, as you said, intentional. Two, all of them were voracious students of success. They were constantly reading, listening, going to meetings, pulling people aside and saying, John, can I ask you a couple of questions? Um, every one of them intentionally changed themselves as needed. They looked at themselves objectively. They said, this habit is paying off. This habit is holding me back. And they literally changed themselves intentionally over time. Number four, none of them, none did it alone. They connected with other people in smart ways that could multiply their talents instead of trying to be strong and, and independent. They were looking for ways to be stronger and well-connected. Um, number five, the most successful among them had structured their work life so that they did most of the time what they were well suited to doing. So they were careful to use the prime time of each day to use their major strengths because that was going to multiply the outcome exponentially. And then they relegated the things that they weren't particularly good at either to outsource to someone else or get an app that will do it for you or wait until the off hours to do that. Number six, all of them and there are only seven of these, by the way, mm -hmm. all of them were eager to share what they had learned, and they were generous as long as the recipient of that generosity was humble and willing to work. In other words, they, they weren't willing to waste time on somebody that wasn't going to learn and do the work, but they were absolutely willing to invest time in people who were eager to grow and willing to do the work. And then number seven and finally, the most successful people among them were also the most trustworthy and likable. They are good people. You know, people often um, have the mistaken idea that rich and powerful people are jerks that are all just greed machines. And that's absolutely the opposite of the truth. Most of the people that have done really, really well are the kind of people you want raising your own kids if you have to. Uh, they're, they're, most of them I found are very appreciative and filled with gratitude. And, yes. uh, well, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go ahead and I want to dive into these, Jim, because I mean, these really resonated with me as an entrepreneur and they will with our viewers and listeners. And, you know, the, I said, you know, be successful on purpose. You said, you know, in these interviews, uh, over a hundred interviews that none succeeded by accident. And, you know, let's, let's just talk about that. Cause a lot of times people get frustrated that it's not working quite yet. And, uh, you know, I don't know how many of these people were overnight success. My guess is pretty close to zero. Yeah. In round numbers. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> 
No, and, and, and one of the things I, I, you know, I would encourage, I mean, this is so important is that, you know, wherever you are now in business, what happens is we always have goals higher and there's, you know, we don't always hit them and we can get very frustrated with how far we are from our absolute ideal goal with the actual results. But boy, driving toward that, making that difference, it is just, it's, it's pretty amazing because we got to take a look back. You know, you and I were talking about gratitude. Take a look back and just the progress that we're all making. Let me interrupt for a second because I want to reinforce one of your points. When you set goals, I, it's not really a goal if you already know how to reach it. If you already know how to reach it, it's a to-do. A goal should exceed your capacity to figure out how to get it done yet. So that it's always something that inspires you to be bigger, find better resources, leverage something and look for a new way. Yeah, I have a, a good friend, Dan Sullivan of Strategic Coach, and we were talking yeah. about this on Friday. And yeah, Dan's an amazing guy. Yeah, and he was saying, it's really what you're saying too, uh, Jim, is that you know, you, you're reaching, you make this commitment, you put the flag in the ground, yep. and then you, know, you get courage because this is not something that the weak of heart can do because you don't know how to do it. Yeah. And then the parts that's, that's so important that that people get it that you don't need to know how to get there. You just need to know whether you really want it, whatever it happens to well, be. Well, the, the reason why I brought up Dan is cuz the next one I thought was very, very clear. He said it and you said the exact same words which capacities, uh the capabilities, excuse me. Yeah. That the capabilities kind of show up. Now you you got to let the world know, you got to let your network know, your you know, if you're a mastermind, whatever it is these things start coming to you, but it's only by taking that commitment and, you know, getting inspired and inspiring others. So One way to think of that metaphysically is think of a goal as a magnet. When, until the goal is crystallized and committed to, there is no magnetism. It's just something you thought about. But once you commit to achieving it, then it starts drawing to you the other questions, the other challenges, the other... Um, dilemmas for you to resolve so that the answers reveal themselves and become part of your mix. Uh, Jim, let's go to the people you've interviewed again, too. They, yeah. I'm going to go down all seven because I think these are so good. And okay. these, these are so important to all the entrepreneurs is, you know, they're students. They're into lifelong learning. I mean, I know you have been and you've been certainly a teacher, a mentor, but you're also a student. What do you, yeah. Why do you think you these you know individuals are so, you know, they're still doing this, even though they're oftentimes, you know, top of their game? Well, I found that even Cavett Robert, the founder of the National Speakers Association, uh, at age 89, was still studying. He was still sitting in the front row at seminars and speeches and taking notes on people's techniques. You know, it, it's, Earl Nightingale was a student up until the day he drew his last breath. Uh, everyone I've ever admired big time, I've found, was a voracious learner. And they're, they're, Students notice more, you know. They're, they're paying attention to how people are responding. They're noticing the circumstances. The, the intelligence is the essence. The essence of intelligence is making distinctions, noticing more details in anything, and noticing patterns and principles. And so if you decide to become more intelligent about your business or about finance or about interpersonal relations, the first thing you should notice is notice what's going on in, in a broader context and then zero in 
What are the patterns here? How can I learn that? Should I use that? You know, what does this lead to? Well, I, people I, need to think in terms of the domino effect, not just the domino. What I love too is as you look outside of your own industry, yeah. and your, your own personal experience. I mean, it's just, it opens the mind to so many possibilities that you can make a difference both in your business and your personal life. It, it's, it's really amazing. Let's, let's go to change themselves intentionally. This yep. is, I, I'm in a mastermind group. I don't know if you know Joe Polish, Genius Network uh, mastermind group, and I'm in one with Dan Sullivan and a few others, and I know you are too. And yep. I made the mistake of joining a group that everybody's really healthy and in great shape and all that, and I, I just lost 35 pounds. I'm getting, you know. Sounds motor, like it's contagious. Yeah, it's either. contagious. Or I had to find fat friends or I had to get on, on uh, board with everybody. But I, I think that, you know, so many people, you know, whether we're talking about learning, whether changing health behaviors, all these other things, you know, it, it's intentional. It's not, it doesn't just happen. I mean, and you, you saw that. Let me add a little footnote in there. In 1976, at, at age 30, I weighed 200 pounds. I'm 5'9". Today, I weigh 150 pounds. So I decided in 1976 that I was tired of being fat and at the time I smoked two packs a day and I didn't exercise at all and I said okay I've, I've already proven many times over the years I can diet successfully so I don't want to go on a diet I want to become a slender person. Now what's the difference between me and a slender person? Well not just weight, lifestyle, habits, thought patterns. So I, I spent three to five years just reprogramming the way I thought about myself, about food, about life, about you know daily routines and I went from being a fat overweight smoker who didn't exercise to being a fit 148 pound uh, athlete who will never smoke another cigarette or cigar or pipe for the rest of his life period. I didn't try to quit smoking, I quit smoking. I gave away the ashtrays and the cigarette lighters and I told all my friends, I'll never smoke again as long as I live. And I never have. Went through three months of withdrawal, it was miserable. And after that, I was free. And today I'm 68 years old. I run uh, mountain trails three days a week. I work out in the gym on the other days. I ride motorcycles, play rock and roll in nightclubs professionally. And I'm still a professional speaker going great guns all around the world. No, Jim. I mean, this is, you know, one of the things that with all the advancement in healthcare and so on, uh, boy, there's never been a better time. We understand the body. I mean, learning how to be a lean person. I, I, it's a lifestyle. Do not go on a diet. I think I've lost 2,000 pounds along the way, Jim, <laughs> on the diets. Maybe not quite. Maybe 1,000. But, yeah. I mean, it's, it's that... Yeah, you know, I encourage anybody that's struggling on some of the health issues to just really look at a lifestyle change, uh, yeah. you know, and being a lean person. But and you don't need a new trendy diet. All the diets boil down to the same thing. Yeah. Reduce the intake of things that aren't good for you. Increase the burn up of the calories that come in. And that's well, what I, you know, I was hanging out, hang out with some successful, healthy exactly. people, and they, you just kind of watch what they're doing, and it becomes blindingly obvious. You know, one of my favorite is what you uh, brought up as number four. There's a, a very famous psychiatrist. You can, uh, he's, I did a podcast with him, Ned Hollowell, and he's just a phenomenal guy. And he always says to me, you know, John, whenever you have a problem, 
don't try to solve it alone. And, and, you know, doing it alone in today's world, nothing great has ever happened there, Jim. But, you know, what are your thoughts there as you were interviewing the people? Well, every one of them seemed quite comfortable with their own limitations. You know, they'd say, you know, I'm not good at X. And they didn't make any bones about it. They didn't think of it as a curse. You know, they just thought of it as a situation. It's like a, a car looking at itself, if it could, and saying, you know, I don't fly very well. I guess if I want to go across the country quickly, I'll find a transport plane. Well, people ought to do the same thing. You know, you just figure out what you're not particularly good at and either get the tools or the information or a helper or you outsource it. Yeah, no, it's, it's really straightforward. And kind of the other side of number five, too, where, you know, I mean, when you're, you're, you're going ahead, what I, uh, a lot of people tell you to work on your weaknesses, you know, get really good. <laughs> I'm thinking at the end of our career, you and I will have... Yeah, yeah, really strong weaknesses. You know, yeah. let's get up in the morning and do what we're not good at. Yeah, no, yeah, that's an exciting thing. That's inspiring and all that. You know, what, how are these uh, successful individuals and entrepreneurs you've had the privilege of working with? How how are they getting focused in their you know uh, unique ability? Well, it, each one seems to have different ways. A lot of them use apps in their phone. You know, like for fitness or for for time efficiency or for whatever. Uh, I spend a large amount of my day online, and so I'm constantly using Facebook as as if it were a business tool. A lot of people use it just to show pictures of their dog. Well, if I were to show pictures of a dog, it would have some kind of an implied business purpose to it. So I'm sharing because I'm I'm the personality for sale in my business. You know, I'm the mm -hmm. guy. I'm the product. So instead of selling uh, insurance coverage or investment services or whatever it happen, might happen to be, I'm selling me as a subject expert and the resources that I'm able to bring to people. And so I use Facebook, I use LinkedIn, I use Twitter, I use you know, Tumblr, all these various tools just as a way to get my message out there and to make myself more and more accessible to people. Because I, I don't want to be some aloof, distant guru on the mountaintop. I want to be the guy that lives down the street that leaves his door unlocked so you can drop in. Oh, that, that's and powerful. And obviously, you know, one of the things you've done, you know, you've got a powerful message. It's resonated, you know, over 38 years we were talking about. And, but you've also grown with you know, the, using the, the tools. I mean, when yeah. you heard Earl the very first time, it's over radio. Okay. Yep. Um, you know, we're, we're on a podcast now. We're talking with several thousand of our uh, closest entrepreneurial friends, and you're using a different medium. And that's what we've got to, you know, whatever you do, you want to focus on what you're good at, but use the tools of the day. Let me go to number six on generosity and humble. I mean, you know, you know there's a stereotypical, particularly if we I'm thinking as I'm saying, and I want to be careful of being political, but the, the one percenters, you know, the, the, yeah. these people are the point zero one, you know, the ultra affluent that they're, you know, they're mean and all that. And, and what we're, we're talking about is, you know, to our entrepreneurs, we, we know, you know, that at least the, the ones I partner with, I do deals with and so on. If they're as mean as they are on TV, I would never work with any of these guys. Well, yeah. it's like the TV show American Greed. Well, I haven't seen the show, but I don't like the title. I don't like the implication of the title. 
I don't like what it says to the rest of the world about America that we would produce a TV series called American Greed. So I'm sorry, producers of that show, but I really don't like the way you labeled your product. Um, when I think about the, you know, going with your your analogy there of the people that were protesting, you know, the, the Occupy people, and they're saying the 1%, the 1%, they're the awful people and they're making it. Well, if you were to examine that group that were out there protesting and screaming instead of working, the whiners, I bet you'd find they were the 1% at the bottom of the heap. The people in the middle, that 90 plus percent between the top and the bottom, they don't whine and complain. They just go on about their lives and try to do the best they can. And the, the truth is the top 1%, that's only one person out of 100, and 100 not that many people. And the top 1% is available to anybody, no matter what their physical condition, no matter what their intellectual capacity might be, no matter who they know, and no matter what skills they bring to the table. You can decide today which percentile you want to be in, and over time, in the next few years, be there. No, and and, and Jim, I, I totally agree. I mean, I, one of the things I liked on you had a TED, uh, TEDx talk you did, and I was listening to it in prep for this uh, interview, and you ta told the Earl Nightingale story, but what you didn't say on the podcast, I want to bring it up, that you know, after listening to him, making the investment time, energy, and becoming a speaker, then you put a program together, and then he began selling your program, the company did. And, uh, in yeah. 1974, I was selling his, his program. In 72, I heard him on the radio. Two years later, I was working for a, a distributor of his selling Earl Nightingale's training programs. Ten years later, Earl Nightingale's company, at Earl's request, was selling my program. And when Earl passed away, I was the only outside speaker at his memorial service. Yeah, no, it's well, and it really comes down. I'm going to combine kind of six and seven together a little bit the uh -huh. generous, the humble, most trustworthy, likable. You know, it's, you know, really investing in time. You and I are parts of mastermind groups. Uh, you've been in one for, you know, a long time. I, I have been in them since the uh, early 90s. And, I, I've just found so much value hanging out with my fellow entrepreneurs. You and know, a big part of being in, in a mastermind group is your willingness to be open and vulnerable, to tell them the truth about what you're dealing with and what you're aspiring to. And then they can give you real meaningful feedback and, and assistance and help you through tough times because even the most successful and the most brilliant and the most enlightened will have times of fear and depression and things like that, but it just won't last as long because they don't wallow in it. Well, and it's nothing you know better than to have, you know, this is not going alone. And this is, we created AESNation.com as a virtual mastermind. I'm gonna encourage everybody to have a live mastermind as well. And this is, you know, I love, cause I bring every time I go to my mastermind meetings, I bring a challenge and, and I, I almost always get new uh, solutions and resources, but, I also learn as much by helping others. Uh, it's just, it's a fantastic methodology. Well, plus as you sit around the room and each person takes time telling his or her concerns and, and, and sharing their latest best ideas, it's like each one of those dialogues is coaching you. Even yeah. though you don't realize it's focused, you know, that it's helping you because it's not focused on you, it's still just like you were getting a briefing 
for your own benefit. No, it's and it's you know you join the right mastermind groups. You want to make sure everybody's smarter than you in at least well, other areas, if not even, all areas. At least make sure everybody is willing to do the work. Yeah, willing to become better, willing to 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 change themselves. Because if they're not, they don't belong in a mastermind group. It'll be a minor mind group. <laughs> yeah, no, very much so. Yeah, Jim, one of the things, I want to come back to leadership just for a second. We've gone through the seven. You know, one of the challenges I see so many entrepreneurs struggle with is, you know, they got a team, they you know, they'll go back to that technician part that they're, you know, they're good technicians, they're, whether they're selling widgets or their financial side. And I, I want to Talk about leadership for a second, then go to the selling part of it. But they're trying to inspire their team. They, they didn't plan on doing this. And, you know, some of us have been at the, you know, we've, we've done things right and we've got pretty successful businesses. And all of a sudden we find we've got this big team. And how, how do we get everybody aligned and really provide the leadership so that we can have collectively this great success serving our clients? I want to draw two analogies here. Uh, one is the Four Seasons Hotels, which is top of the world, you know, luxury hotels. And the other is Disneyland. In both cases, the leaders, Isidore Sharp, who founded the Four Seasons Hotel and is their, their um, figurehead, you know, the leader that's still the chairman of the board or whatever his position is, and Walt Disney, both of them realized after they got things put in place, the systems worked out and all the, the hardware pretty much determined, they realized that their job had changed. And their job beyond that point was selling the vision. Every day, reselling people on the importance of the cause. I, I sat on the plane years ago next to Kenny um, Ortega. Kenny Ortega is the guy who uh, designed the fountains for Bellagio Hotel mm -hmm. in Las Vegas. He was the guy who orchestrated the opening and closing ceremonies of the Winter Olympics, the one that, that Mitt Romney was in charge of in Salt Lake City. And I said to Kenny, I said, I would think that the toughest part of being the, the, the planner, orchestrator of the, of the opening and closing ceremonies with all the thousands and thousands of people you had to influence, would be keeping the flame alive inside each person. In other words, getting each person to, to not just look at what their task was, but to realize how vitally important their task was to the overall fabric of what made the Olympics symbolically meaningful to every person that was touched by it. He said, oh my God. I said, what do you mean? He said, nobody notices that. He said, that's exactly what the main job was. And, and, and that's it. You know, that's us as entrepreneurs. What's our main job with the team? Getting the people to embrace the DNA of our organization. What's the DNA? It's the genetic code, the vision, the mission, the values, the goals, the standards, the level at which we've chosen to live and what we aspire to. When they buy the dream in their heart, you can get their behavior as part of the bargain. When all you do is, is acquire their behavioral compliance, then what you've got is a machine in a flesh package. And that machine's only as good as when you're watching it and it's turned on. Because at the end of the workday, it's turned off and they're thinking about being somewhere else. 
Yeah. You got to win the hearts if you want to win the minds and bodies. Yeah, I've not heard it expressed that way before, but I, I think that's just so true, Jim. Is that it's so easy to get behavior? You can hire yeah. that, you know, on yeah. an hourly you basis anywhere. Worse, babe. Yeah, and yeah, and, and many entrepreneurs unfortunately do that. And when you can win their heart, and boy, you get it aligned, you know, they'll they'll move mountains for you. And, plus, there's part of them that is not accessible to you through their head. It's only accessible through their heart. If all you get is intellectual compliance or behavioral compliance, you're only getting a, a fraction of what that person could bring. But man, if their heart's in it, if their spirit and soul is invested in what you're doing together, then they're going to bring creativity. They're going to bring a spark that, that everybody can feel. And you're going to get up in the morning and say, I cannot wait to get to work. Yeah. No, and I, I do that every single day because I have an unbelievable team that inspires me as, as well. Let me go to, I'm going to go to a segment here. Okay. And this is the book of the day, and, and I'm not going to let you off. I'm going to make you, uh, you know, go over your book. And uh, we talked about a relationship selling. What are they going to find inside there? Well, the main structure of relationship selling is around the basic idea that a relationship is a thing. And a relationship will either be an asset or a liability, depending on what you do with it. So if you think in advance of what you want, and then you ask yourself, if that's what I want, who do I need to know so well that they're glad they know me in order to get my goal? Okay? Who do I need to know so well that they are glad that they know me? And then that becomes your target of primary relationships you're going after. And then you back up from there and say, okay, what qualities do I need to cultivate in myself so that I deserve the reputation that would open the door to these relationships that would cause the unfolding of the future that I'm trying to achieve? And so you back that all the way up to who do I want to know? How can I connect with them? And then once I'm connected in any way whatsoever, how can I make them glad that they know me? And the book takes you through the preparation, the targeting, preparation for the sale, targeting the right people in the right ways, connecting with the people's heads and hearts, assessing their needs and their wants, solving their problem and proving that you solved it, gaining their, gaining their commitment to buy, um, assuring that they're satisfied and continue to be satisfied, and then managing yourself and managing sales. You know, with all the tools out there and all the fancy things that we can all do today, uh, it's still, you know, really identifying the right people, connecting and delivering value. I mean, it's, it's right. you know, it's all relationships. And I, I think sometimes we get caught up and, you know, all this fancy stuff is, and so the, these are pearls of wisdom. Let me go to the next segment. This is resources, Jim. What are some of the resources that are available on your website? First one is the virtual training. I have an online academy. So if you go to cathcart.com and you scroll down a little bit, you'll see speeches, seminars, etc. And one of those is virtual training. Click on that and it'll take you to a place where you can sign up for a free tour of this online academy of different courses. 
in relationship selling and professional speaking and presentation skills, that sort of thing. And uh, if you choose to stay connected and subscribe month to month, you can do that. But uh, I've got a number of resources in there. I've got like nine different e-books, and then I've got my regular books, of course, in bookstores and Amazon. It's, it's, it, a, it's a really rich environment, and we're going to put all the in the show notes, we'll put the link so everybody can, you know, connect with you, Jim, on this because it's it's just so valuable. And they can see me on YouTube. They can see me on LinkedIn, Facebook. You know, I'm, and it's just Jim Cathcart. You know, nothing fancy about it. Just search on Jim Cathcart, and you'll end up finding dozens and dozens of videos and all kinds of articles and blog posts and you know, on and on. Well, Jim, let me. Let me do the last segment where I'm going to share with you what my key takeaways are. Okay. Jim, I mean, I got, I filled up a whole bunch of notes here and I love the discussion on the seven, but I'm going to focus on three. The very first is lifelong learning. I mean, you, you are a guy who has been doing lifelong learning. You've been, you know, the, as I said earlier, the mentor, you've been out there you know, really doing it for an awful lot of people and, and making a huge, huge difference. But I think one of the messages is for all of us as fellow entrepreneurs is not to lose that. So, you know, structure it into your life. The second is to focus on your strengths. And this is, you know, I joked about strong weaknesses, but definitely, you know, focus on your strengths. Each of us has some type of unique ability you know, something that we're really good at. We typically really enjoy doing it and everything out outsource, whether it's to your team or to uh, outside vendors or partners, you know, there's so much you can do, but you know, just being good at one thing. You know? And then uh, the third uh, is really important as entrepreneurs. We, we get so, we're carrying a heavy weight, all of us, you know, in building our businesses, bringing our teams along, inspiring them. Don't do it alone. Make sure that you're part of you know, groups, communities that can really help you succeed. Jim, I, I want to thank you for uh, spending the time today, you know, your busy schedule. Well, you make it joyful, so thank you for that. Well, it's been a real pleasure. And uh, remember, at, you know, for everybody watching or listening, go to AESNation.com. We'll have all the connections for Jim so you can follow up. Make sure to, you know, really, he's got a library, university of content that you don't want to miss. And the most critical part, it's all about action. Take what you heard, put it into action. Your clients, your future clients, they're counting on you. Wish you the best of success. Exceptional, remarkable breakthroughs. AESNation.com.